Good evening, everybody. We are at session seventy-seven. Wow, yeah, <laughs> long way. We just thank God for all these weeks and all the questions and all the dear ones who send these questions from around the world. We just thank God for every one of them. And this evening, we just once again thank God for the answers, and we continue to pray, Lord, make us true, Father, yes, true, yes. true, true to Your Word and to yes. Your Spirit, Lord. We come at this time into Thy hands, O Lord. We pray, You give us a gift of wisdom, O Lord, that we may answer these questions. It may comfort and encourage Your children in Christ may be glorified and your children may be edified, O Lord. We surrender this time into thy hands. For in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yes. Pastor, Pastor Vijay. Is there so many questions on prayers, Pastor, today? Okay. Answers to prayers, etc. Question number one. This is Joshua chapter 23, verses 14. Now I'm about to go the way of all the earth. You know with all your heart and soul that no, not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. And Luke's Gospel chapter 1 verse 45, Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord will fulfill his promises to her. Question therefore is, are all God's promises in the Bible belong to every child of God or only specific promises? What the Lord has spoken or assured personally? If so, how do they see it coming true? It may not be exactly how, how one has perceived it. Okay, it's a, it's a, let's let's go to scripture about promises. Okay, first we go to I'm right, it's Second Corinthians, and it talks about promises. Every promise chapter is one. Chapter one. okay. Chapter one, okay, verse twenty, <clears throat> Second Corinthians chapter one. Verse 20. Yeah. For all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen. To the glory of God through us. Okay? Now he establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us. And if you go to again to Ephesians 1, 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. First we look at, we look at, now if you, if you go back to the first one, the first, uh, second <coughs> Corinthians 1.20, all the promises of God in Christ, all the, pro all the promises of God are in Christ. When you are talking about Christ and we are talking about the body of Christ, we are the body of Christ. Mm. Okay? So, in one way to put, all the promises are for the entire body. Mm. But the entire body is full of different people with different functions. Yes. So, all the promises may not be pertinent to me mm. because my function in the body of Christ may be completely different. Mm. Okay? Like, let us say, we are called as to be pastors, teachers. So there are promises which are specifically connected to us, instructions and this thing, which doesn't apply to you at all. It does not apply to. So there are general promises. 
which applies to everybody. Then there are specific promises which apply to different parts of the body. Different. Otherwise, everybody should have all the gifts. Hmm. You don't, you know that everybody doesn't have all the gifts. So the gifts are also according to function. Gifts are also according to function. Hmm. So that's where we, we, we go wrong with the promises. Okay. Yes, there are 9,000 promises in the Bible, but uh, does it apply to everyone in the Bible, no. every believer in the Bible? No, it does not. Mm. Okay, like, uh, then again, what the other function of the promises, you need to understand what is the function of the promise. If you turn to Second Peter chapter 1, mm, yes. okay, we need to understand, sometimes we go wrong and the promises don't work for us, because we forget what is the fundamental purpose, purpose of yes. many, many of the promises. Second Peter chapter one, verse three and four. Mm. Okay. <clears throat> Second Peter chapter one, verse three and four. As this divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life, okay, and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to by glory and virtue. So there are two things over there, which all the promises you need to realize. The promises of God are like two sides of a coin. One side is connected to this life, mm. a temporary life of 60, 70, 80, 90, what, how many years. There are promises which are connected to this. And the second side of it is it is connected to godliness. You cannot have one without the other. Yeah. One without the other. Okay, One is temporal, the other is eternal. Mm. And God's promises cover them. But what is the purpose? By which we have been given exceedingly great and precious promises mm. that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature having escaped the corruption that is in the world through oh, lust. Mm. So the purpose of the promises, if you look in the Bible, if you look at the promise when I am asking or claiming or believing in a promise, is my purpose to escape the corruption that is in the world? Mm. Mm. To partake of the divine nature of God? Is it that or not? Mm. Is the question. Okay. So that is where the question issue comes. So if you go back to the question that was asked, okay, if you ask, like, you know, are all God's promises in the Bible belongs to every child? Only specific. If you go to question number two, no, question, yeah, no, question, uh, the second part. So not question, the second part. Yeah. Go to question, uh, one for continuous. Yeah. yeah. This is, okay. are all God's promises in Bible belongs to every child of God? Okay, go to the question number one. There is one verse over there, which Luke, I, Luke one. two, 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 sorry. Yeah. yeah, 145, question one. Blessed is she if she has believed that God would fulfill his promises to her. Ooh. Now, yeah. okay, to her. Now, if you look at this, does that promise which God made to Mary yeah. apply to anybody else in history? No. It does not apply to anybody else. It is very specific to her, very specific to her. Okay, and in the general promise, that is uh, Joshua one eight. It's a general promise. It's pr promised to everybody. Though it's spoken to Joshua, it's spoken to everybody. You hear, you obey, you speak. You meditate, you obey, you speak. You will be successful wherever you prosperous wherever you go. And we looked at it that the question of being successful and prosperous, you have to look at it in your own situation. It is not. The problem is sometimes we don't even see the promises being fulfilled because we compare ourselves with somebody else with whom we should not be comparing ourselves with at all. Yes. Right? If you look at, like we use the example, if you look at a person to whom that promise was fulfilled, wherever you put him, 
is Joseph, mm. whether he was the eleventh among twelve in his father's house, whether he was the only Hebrew slave in Egyptian household, whether he was a Hebrew prisoner in Egyptian prison, or he is the Hebrew governor of Egyptian state. You will see he was prosperous everywhere. Mm. But you have to compare him. If you compare him as a Hebrew slave in the Egyptian household with his brothers who are in Canaan, that's a that's a comparison which doesn't fit in. And that's where we go wrong. And you will see God's purpose, his promise is coming to pass in Joseph's life. What is he telling him basically? He's basically saying, you are called to reign. Mm. You will be the head and not the tail. Ultimately, we will see in his father's house, he is the head. Mm -hmm. yeah. In 41st house, he was the head. What did 41st say? Everything I hand over to you. Prison also, he is the head. The prison warden doesn't care about anybody. He hands it all, everything. Pharaoh also says the same thing. So at every place you will see, the promise is true for him. But it is, you go wrong if Joseph is sitting in this, in the father's house, uh, sorry, in Potiphar's house and started thinking, you know what, Reuben and Levi and Simeon Judah are all much better off than me, poor me. Then your comparison went completely wrong. Completely wrong. You know, even comparison, this thing. That is where we need to look. The promises of God are true. Now, it doesn't come in randomly. There are There is a promise and there is obedience. Ilam, go to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Okay? To the most powerful verses about promises of God in the Old Covenant. Now, it shall come to pass. Okay? It shall come to pass. What are these? The promises. It shall come to pass. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. That's a promise, mm. conditional. I don't think there is any unconditional promise in the Bible. No. Almost every promise is conditional. Conditional. It is promise is conditional. Okay, so that God gives a promise and we need to. So if the promises came to pass, like we saw in the question in Joshua's this thing, you need to realize they had to fight for it. Every promise, yes. They had to. It didn't randomly come to pass. They mm -hmm. had two. One, they had to fight their enemies so that the promises come to true. Second, they had to root out sin from their Your midst. Yes. yes. Okay. Akan and his whole household had had to be destroyed. Okay. And when they failed, it is because they did not seek the Lord. Two times they failed. One is I, and the second is with the Gibeonites. And both times they did not seek the counsel of God. Okay. Two times, if you look at both are failures, but both times they did not. That's what the Bible says. If, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord, how can you diligently obey the voice of the Lord if you have not sought the voice of the Lord? Mm. They had the great victory in Jericho and immediately they, they did not seek the counsel of God. Your victory is irrelevant. And David learns from all their mistakes and you will see before he goes to every battle, he will seek the good. Yes. Though he won and it's the same enemy, he doesn't go with the same plans. He will go ask the Lord, should I do it the same way? Okay, and God says, no, this is the way you need to do. Mm -hmm. So we need to realize the promises of God are there. In, in, we don't need all the promises. It may not apply to us, but the general promises that apply to all of us, and one is Joshua one eight. It applies to everybody. Okay, if he told them you shall be successful and prosperous, he tells us in all these things you are more than conquerors. Okay, you can talk up, you can put anything over there. Okay, anything over there. 
you're more than conquerors and all that. That meaning you will come through this undefeated. You will come through this without denying Jesus. That is what it means. It's not saying you will come through famine without being hungry. Even if you're hungry, like you're hungry. he was in the in the desert hungry, you will come without buckling to the enemy's pressure. Amen. Mm. Nothing can separate you from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. So don't come with our interpretations. That is where we go wrong. Okay? That's where we go wrong. That's what he's talking. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate in it day and night. You may observe to do according to all. So you have three things over there. One, meditate. Two, do. Three, when you speak, let your conversation be according to the word of God. We are not talking about, I mean, it would be very boring if you started talking to each other scripture. That's not what Bible is talking about. <laughs> no? It is talking about when you are faced with a situation, your response should be always scriptural. No, we sing that song, whose report shall we believe? Okay, so every time we respect the doctors, we respect the reports. We looked at all of it, but after looking at all the reports, at the end, those are our facts, scientifically proven facts. At the end of it, what do we do? We live truth above. But, but, God has said. So, Lord, we'll go through what the doctors have said. But above and overall, we believe in your healing. We believe in your healing. So when you look at all the situations like COVID is there, famine is there, all kind of issues are there, we still look at all that. See, you, you cannot have faith unless first you have facts. You cannot have faith without facts. That is foolishness. And if you, if you do not acknowledge you are ill, you cannot have ill healing. Jesus said very, very clearly, the physician is for the sick. So we are not in denial of facts. Mm -hmm. We are not denial in facts. We are accepting the facts and raising the word of God has truth above it. So these promises are there and uh, some people don't need many of the promises. Okay. Some people need more promises. Okay. So we have to look which does it apply to me. But there is this fundamental statement in Corinthians 1.20. All the promises are yes and amen in, in Christ Jesus. Jesus. Only in Christ Jesus. Okay, In him are yes. In him we say amen. amen. <laughs> in him yes. In him. So we need to ask ourselves. We need to ask. Let us, uh, let us think about it. Okay, simple thing. Simple practical for simple people to understand. Okay, uh, This is, you look at me, you see my body and you see this ring. Okay, now this ring is for this finger. How does it look if I take it and put it on my nose? <laughs> I mean, you can fix it if you want, but how does it look? It looks odd, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so think about it as a promise. Mm -hmm. Okay, and think this as a part of the body. Now, this promise is for this part of the body which needs it. Now, I take this promise and put it over here. This doesn't need it. Mm -hmm. Okay. That is why it is important to find okay. what we say our, our place, place in, in Christ in yeah. the body. Amen. Okay. Our place. So, okay. Our so, place so. in the body. Our purpose in the body of Christ. Our place in the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And you will see even the anointing, which is like general common, does not work the same, same way. way. Yes. It does not work the same way. 
it works differently depending upon what is your purpose in the in the that is why god had an issue with samuel because he was anointed to be king he jumped and tried to be a priest mm. okay but now he can say but i was anointed yes okay but that anointing was not for this it was not for this okay uzziah also the same thing happened okay so we have to look at it that way and find what is my slot okay what is my slot in the body of like, Christ. Like, yeah. like Saul was anointed to be king mm. and he was not supposed to do the part of the priest. Mm. He did the part of the priest but he did not do the part of that he was supposed to do. Supposed like, to do. So that is the, he didn't do the, yeah, do what he was supposed to do as a king. Yeah, as a king. So that's how you look at promises. Okay. So we have to be led. If you go that to verse 21 and 22, especially if I'm right, 22. Okay. He who establishes with you in Christ has anointed us is yeah, God. Yeah, okay. Mm. And if you come to verse 22, it mm. says, and also has sealed us and given us the spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Now, this is the key. The key is that, you know, who leads us to the promises that are applicable to us? It Holy is the spirit. spirit. Yes. It is the Holy Spirit who leads us to the promises that are applicable to us. Mm. It is he who leads. Okay, there are, there are 9,000 plus promises in the Bible. How do I know what I need? Mm. Okay, that is what the Bible says. Man shall not live by the by the bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That is Rhema. That is not Logos. Mm. We have Logos, but when the Spirit leads us to a specific promise, and I still are zapped by that. I remember this couple who were in Australia, and they were at the verge of uh, separating. Indian couple from Hyderabad. Hmm. They were leaving. And uh, it was winter, and she had already packed up. And she had packed her bags and then uh, she picks her Bible, which a friend had given her. And uh, the friend had told her, the God of the Bible is real. He speaks. And he can speak exactly to your situation. So she says, Lord, I'm here separating. I'm planning to go back. I have packed my bags. Tell me what should I do? She just opened her Bible and opened Ecclesiastes chapter 4. Okay. <laughs> and verse 11 and 12. Again, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. How can one be warm alone? Though one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him. And the threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know God, she, she understood God had spoken to her. The God of the Bible. You know what? She unpacked her back. She stayed back. You know what? They have been together, married, settled now for the last 20 years. Hallelujah. You know? Mm. Now... Now, I'm not saying every time you open like that, but desperate cases, God is, I mean, God is a God of mercy. These are people who really did not know God, and God in his mercy intervened. But what I'm telling you is, that is the Holy Spirit. Even when it comes to prayer, the Bible says, we really do not know what to pray for. It is the Holy Spirit who teaches in the same way. We really do not sometimes know which are the promises. How do we, How did Jesus know? Because he memorized scripture? I don't think so. It was the Holy Spirit. That led him to that scripture. On the point, he said, the enemy comes with a with a temptation, and uh, the Holy Spirit gives us the answer. This is what you, what to use. This is a promise you have to beat him down. Okay, beat him down. Like like I said, no, on last Sunday I said, you have to eat according to your situation. After your daily devotions, which is fine, that is the base on which we go. Okay, after that, when you get up, Matthew six thirty four says very clear. There is trouble for that day. And when you wake up, you know what upsets you. 
that is at the top of your mind. That's at the top of your mind. What is there? And you need to eat for that. You need to eat for that. And we all eat. Dr. Richard doesn't eat. He's very, very careful about what he eats. Okay, very, very careful. I mean, if you if you leave a hospital, that's what the dietitian tells you. He tells you, eat this, and, and you need to eat it, change your diet. Now you need to eat this because this is your medical condition, and this is what you need, more of this and less of that. Mm. You know, and we don't see this is exactly what we need to do with life. Okay. What are you going through? You're going, you're going through, let us say, you're going through discouragement discouragement and you are reading everything on prosperity how is it going to help you it is like the diabetic eating sugar it's not going to help you it's not going to help you you need to go and see what does god speak about discouragement why should i not be discouraged what are the reasons god says why i should man you know it starts building your faith up and you realize you know god is speaking to me that's what the bible says exceedingly great precious promises have been given by which we partake of the divine nature and that is the nature of christ i mean christ faced more tests than any man ever. That's why he was tempted at all points and did not sin. He walked by faith. He was not depressed. He was not discouraged. He was not defeated. Okay, he was. And yet he came with nothing. He did not have money. He did not have a purse. He did not have a house to call his own. Okay? And if you look at it, how did... I mean, God is not asking us to live like him, but imitate his life. Okay? Imitate his life. And he was the most content man. Okay, He had time for everybody. Yet he preached more than any one of us. <laughs> okay, And you look at it, how did he go? The simple thing is that he had the word of God, he had in his mind, but above all, he had the spirit. And when he begins his ministry, he puts it onto the spirit. He says, the spirit of the Lord has anointed me. And you see the direction of the spirit in his life. And I believe that's how promises work. It is good to have a base. It has to have good doctrine, everything. That is the foundation on which we... But after that, we have to build. And when you build our life, we need the promises. Without the promises, you and I cannot partake of God's life. We will fall under the, the wiles of the devil. And we will fall into the ways of the world because we have nothing to fight him back. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Again, uh, continuing on the same theme, Pastor, it's actually uh, on prayer. Because I had a call two days back from Australia, young man calling, and he was asking, how do I handle this? How do I handle it? How do I handle it? I said, actually, if you look into the word of God, it's very simple. It's not so complex. This has showed us how to handle it. How to handle it. You know, what are you struggling with? Fear. <laughs> how do you handle it? I said, like we said, you cannot take a thought out. You have to replace it. Mm. The problem is with all our willpower, gritting our teeth, we are trying to take the thought out. It simply doesn't go. It only gets even more entrenched. Mm -hmm. And God says, you replace it. You replace the thought. Okay? And I know everybody was thinking about pizza, but they ended up eating biryani. biryani. <laughs> okay? They ended up eating biryani. No? And, but that's how it works. Mm -hmm. How that it's work. Okay, you replace that thought with the thoughts of God and you realize, you know what? It lost its temptation, lost its power. Temptation lost. Because that's how the devil. Temptation is not sin. No, but we have, if we have the promises of God to beat down every temptation. 
promises, both to give us strength and both to give us fear. Mm. That's why this, the Bible says, the fear of God is pure. Mm. The fear of God will come upon you and keep you from doing evil, mm. being sinning. And we think, okay, fear of God is a gift of the Holy Spirit's it is, but it is also more than that. How, how do you, how do you, how do you handle fear? How do you, how do you work on the fear of God? You go to the Word of God and look at what God actually says. You know what? This is the consequences of what will happen. Literally, the fear of God will come into your heart. Okay, that simple way. Because how do I overcome this? And just go read what God says about the consequences of that sin. Just read it. Meditate on it. Make a list of it. Stick it on your wall. Make your company home screen. Okay, every time your phone open, this thing comes. You know what? <laughs> you'll be very, you'll be very. That's how you work. The, the, we don't say that as we don't see that as promises. By the way, those are promises. When a father tells his son, "You will come back with the same thing," I will whack the daylights off it. That's a promise. <laughs> <laughs> that's a promise okay that's a promise god made a disobedience. <laughs> god made a promise to david what is that because of the way you've been flopping in one area i'm giving you a promise you know what the sword will not depart your house that's a promise and it did not depart did not depart his house it was a promise that's a promise hmm. Okay. And to Paul also God gave a promise. You had these great visions, no? All these visions, okay? <laughs> and uh, because of that, I don't want you to be proud. So you know what? I'm sending a messenger from hell. It's a promise. It's not going to go away. It's a promise. I think when Paul died, the demon also sighed of relief. <laughs> Going with this man was the most torturous journey <laughs> in my life. <laughs> it was not, he was tormenting Paul. Paul was tormenting him. This is a godly man. The devil can't go because God said, aside. He can't go. Poor demon has to go with him, suffer through every message, <laughs> suffer under the anointing, but he cannot go because aside to Paul. Just <laughs> when Paul died, the demon said, <laughs> <laughs> Probably first time you heard a demon say, Hallelujah, I am free. <laughs> I am free. Okay. So there are promises of God. Okay. Promises of God. Hallelujah. Yeah. Yes. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Actually, it's a, it's a, it's a continuity on prayer, Pastor. Okay. Where's so, question, question two? two. Yeah. If God did not answer the way we interceded, but differently, or not up to the mark, <laughs> mm. then how do we interpret it as believers? Do we interpret as interpret as Romans chapter eight verse twenty eight? Or yeah, one one thing uh, one thing as yeah, just and then uh, or as other believers say that our mm. prayers are not powerful enough to invade the second heaven to reach His throne, mm. or our intercession is not sufficient. If so, then it would be based on works of prayer, limiting God, and sort of become like name and claim. If only you do one, two, three, then you will get the results. Okay, let's go to uh, first part. First part. Go to First Corinthians chapter thirteen. <coughs> Verse twelve. First Corinthians thirteen twelve. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. 
now i know in part but then i shall know just as i am also known so one of the things which we need to know until god's very clear unless god very clearly tells us okay sometimes we do not understand now let's go back to the question we don't understand okay our fundamental if god did not answer the way we interceded but differently or not up to the mark go to psalm 100 and uh, A hundred and three and verse six, seven, seven, verse seven. <clears throat> okay. He made known his ways to Moses and his acts to the children of Israel. Okay. For us, it's a very familiar verse. But you need to know the children of Israel did not understand the ways of God. Hmm. They understand the ways of God. Okay. Sometimes we don't understand. That's what in Corinthians he's saying. Uh, can we go back to that verse in 1 Corinthians 13 okay and then we we'll, we'll go to exodus so that uh, <coughs> we understand certain things for now we see in a mirror dimly but then face to face now i know in part but then i shall know just as i am also known what does it mean god knows us in full hmm. but we understand what god is doing in our lives only in part yes. okay only in part why because we simply cannot go to exodus chapter 13 okay <clears throat> and verse 17 and 18 
This is where we need to understand how, why we do not understand God's ways. Okay, that's where we need to realize. Moses at the end says, you know what? At the end, Moses says, it's not in the beginning. All your ways are right. Now I understand. Your ways are right. What you did was right. What is he looking at? He's looking at a generation that died and he's looking at a generation that's risen up. And he says, you know what? God, you were right not to get these people in, to get this one. These ones are ready. Mm. These ones are ready. You know what? The wilderness, I couldn't understand the wilderness. The wilderness has achieved its purpose. It has achieved the purpose. You took one generation out and you have raised up a powerful generation. I understood. But when we are wandering in the wilderness, you are saying, what is this? Mm. Okay, It is just like the manna. What is this? But now I understand. Your ways are beyond understanding. So when we are praying, sometimes God answers. God answers. And we are not. I mean, uh, Tolstoy. If I'm right, it was Tolstoy. Yeah, Tolstoy wrote, wrote a beautiful uh, uh, short story about a cobbler called Martin who has a dream. In the dream, his gods come and speaks to him and says, I will visit you tomorrow. I will visit you tomorrow. So he's very excited. It's a godly man, very excited. So he gets his shop all, all ready, everything ready, and he's waiting, everything. Oh, God is going to visit me, everything ready. I can't remember, man. These are stories I read in my childhood. Okay. But the thing is that first, there is a lady passing by with a, if I'm right, a basket of apples, and a little boy steals. One apple, she catches him and there's a huge fight going on and Martin runs on, intercedes and asks for, pleads for mercy with the woman and talks to the boy and I think he buys an apple, gives to him and this thing. And like that, there are two, three incidents that happened through three or four incidents that happened where he goes out and intervenes. Okay. And then night has fallen, he's waiting and there is no God doesn't come. So he feels disappointed and he goes, eats his dinner, goes to sleep. And in the sleep, God comes and Martin asks, Lord, but you didn't visit me. He said, I did. All those four incidents that happened right in front of your house, it was me mm -hmm. to see how you would intervene. How you would intervene, no? So that's the whole thing. Sometimes we do not understand God answers our prayers. Like one of, one of the craziest promises in the Bible is a virgin shall give birth. This is a sign I give it to you. But did that sign make any difference or <coughs> meaning to that king or for the next 600 years? <laughs> it's a prophecy, it is a promise, and it is a sign. Mm. But it makes a, our entire life is changed by that sign. So when we look at prayer, okay, if God didn't answer the way we interceded, Okay, we intercede in a particular way. And God does not have to answer it. That we cannot tell. That's what Moses understands. And that's why Moses says, show me your ways. Show me your ways. Lord, show me your ways. Teach me your ways. Okay. One of the reasons why we do not understand is because we don't understand the ways of God. Okay. We don't understand the ways of God. And, uh, or up to the mark. Okay. Then how do we interpret as believers? Do we interpret as Romans 8.28? Romans 8.28 is a completely different thing. Okay, all things work together for the good of those who love God and called according to his purpose, which is true. Everything works for our good. If you're called by God, you love God, it will all work out ultimately. God is working it out the back of it. He's working it out, though we do not know what is happening at that time. 
All you do is you hold on to your promises and work your way through like Joseph did. If you come to the question number three, uh, second part of question two. As other believers say, our prayers are not powerful enough to invade the second heaven to reach his throne or our intercession is not. For this, we need to go to Luke 18 verse 1 onwards. Okay. We have to be very, very careful when you talk about intercession. He spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not to lose heart, saying, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. There was a widow in that city and she came to him saying, get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yeah, Yet because the widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, hear what the unjust judge said. And shall not God avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? I tell you that he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on earth? That eight has to be connected with verse one. Yes. That would you give up praying? Would you give up praying? Would you quit praying? Okay. Would you quit praying? Okay. <coughs> I mean, the oft used example is, of course, about Daniel, right? The thing about Daniel is that Daniel asks for something. The Bible says the first day you prayed, it was heard. But it says for 21 days, there was a battle going on. So there's a battle going on up there. And what if he had stopped praying? Now, if you go to Revelation chapter 12, we will understand why it is important. Okay. 12. Okay. <coughs> Verse 7. Onwards. War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was any place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, the serpent of old called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth. His angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. Now, this is the picture of what is happening in heaven. But verse 11 shows us what is happening on earth. They overcame him by the blood of the Lamb. So the prayers of the saints and the warfare of the angels are going together, connected together. Mm. Can God do it some other way? Yes, but he doesn't choose to do it. Mm. He says, you all work it out. I'm here watching it all. I can click, snap my fingers, everything is over. But I don't want to do it. I get my joy, sing my children fight and win. Every time a child of God prevails in prayer and wins, Christ is glorified. Christ is glorified. It's Christ who is glorified. Okay? And the Father gets, the Father is, gets joy. He rejoices to his, even his little children. And in the heavenlies, what is being proclaimed, it is being proclaimed the defeat of the devil. The defeat of the devil. It is being proclaimed over and over. So when you are talking about intercession, when you come back to question number two, and if you notice, we've been looking at these portions in our morning prayers, the readings before our prayers. You know what? Because you need to, it is like, it's like a math problem complex. The 
permutations and the combinations of answering our prayer. You will see, I only ask for it. God says, if I were to answer in your way, in your time, do you have any idea how many lives would be impacted? <laughs> okay, like uh, no man is an island. No man, no man sins unto himself. No man sins unto himself. Okay, our lives are like interconnected. Interconnected. Okay, now if you go to Joshua chapter seven, Joshua chapter seven. Okay, verse one onwards. Children of Israel committed trespass regarding the accursed things for Achan, the son of Garmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took off the accursed things, so the anger of the Lord burned against the children of Israel. Now let me tell you, nobody had any clue something like this had happened except Achan and his family. But the Bible says the children of Israel committed a sin. See, the Bible doesn't say Achan committed a sin. It's the children of Israel committed a sin. Why? God sees them as a body. Okay? God sees them as a body. It is like the crazy case you heard about the guy who argued his own case by saying, like, you cannot send me into prison because I didn't steal. It is my hand who did it. <laughs> the judge said, oh, that's pretty good. So take his, cut his hand off and lock it up in the prison. And he said, no, no, I did. I did. I did, okay? Unless we see ourselves as that, honestly, one of the best ways to overcome our temptations, our struggles, and our sins is to see that no, none of us uh, sin in isolation. Yes. Isolation. It has a domino okay. effect. It has a domino effect, mm -hmm. okay? Let me tell you, that is where we always, you know, when we, when we talk, we always tell people, you know, ask God, Lord, make me a blessing. Because if you are not a blessing, you will be a burden. Yes. There are only two entities. Either you are a blessing or you are a burden. That is why God says if a man does not work, he should not eat. Mm. He should not eat. And we should always pray. It's not, Lord, bless me. Make me a blessing. Because if I am not a blessing, I will become a burden. Burden. Okay? Okay. That's what it says. Oh, no man, any debt except the debt of love. Okay, Lord, I want to be a blessing. Move me from here to here because this is my whole idea. I want to be a blessing. And sometimes we will realize, you know, we will realize that, you know. Uh, that's one of the reasons I don't pick people's calls. I say, if you need something, text me. Text me. Even if you want me to pray for me, text me. Because I want to know what your prayer request is. Do I need to pray for you or can you handle it on your own? Because most of the things which people, I tell my wife all the time, honey, you need to stop this. You need to stop this. You have to tell them to text you. Text you. Text you. Because, you know what, many of the, or most of the prayers are from the same set of people for the same things. I'm going through this. Then I said, ask them the question, did you listen to this morning's prayer? No. Did you listen to the word this week? No. Then why should I pray for you? Why should I pray for you? Why should I pray for you? If you're a new believer, just 
I understand all that. We are there for the weak. That's what I meant for the weak in the morning when I meant is that the weak ones who are weak in faith, a bruised reed, he will not break or smoking. But these are not weak people. These are people who are, I mean, if you choose to be weak after being two years, three years, four years, five years, six years, seven years, eight years, nine years, ten years, that's a choice you made. It's a choice you made. You chose to be weak. Then what you are doing, you are outsourcing all your problems onto somebody while you are going ahead with your life. Well, it's very easy. Pray for me, pray for me, pray for me. My first question, did you pray for yourself? Okay, pray for yourself. And sometimes what happens is God deliberately does not answer prayers. Prayers. Does not answer prayers because, you know, he's teaching us. He's disciplining us. He's a good father. He disciplines us. Okay, disciplines us. Okay, now think about it. Uh, let's put uh, Pastor Vijay's example. He's got Abigail and Emmanuel, right? Do you feed Abigail now? No. <laughs> but if you feed her, she'll be very happy. Of course. Very happy. She'll be very happy. <laughs> Daddy, can I read while you feed me? <laughs> she'll be very happy. Absolutely. Absolutely happy. You know, I don't even have to wash my hands. I'm so happy. But are you helping her? You're not helping. You're not helping. Okay? So God will not help us. God will not help us. Okay? God will not help us. He usually helps us in areas where we cannot help ourselves. Because he's a good father. Where we can help ourselves, he said, why are you praying to me? Okay? Why are you praying to me? If you go to Exodus chapter 14. Exodus chapter 14. Okay. Verse 13, 14 and 15. You have to look at 13. And Moses said to the people, Do not be afraid. Stand still. See the salvation of the Lord, which he will accomplish for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall see again no more forever. And the Lord will fight for you and you shall hold your peace. And God was very happy. He said, wow, good dude. And then verse 15, God said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Okay. Moses is very funny. He says, do not fear, the Lord shall do. Be strong, everything he says. And then he says, Lord, what are you crying to me? <laughs> I listen to you. All you have to do is now proclaim. The time of prayer is over. This is the time to proclaim. I see you got the faith to do it. You don't have to pray anymore. You got it. You got it. The whole thing. See, now just proclaim it. Tell the children of Israel to go forward. But lift up your road and stretch out your hand. He says, you don't have to pray anymore. You don't have to pray. You already know how to do it. You already know. You got it. You got it. Okay. All you need to do is, what did I send you with? You got a rod. Just lift your rod. The word will. There are times when God will not answer our prayers. Let me tell you. Because we are not proclaiming. We are not proclaiming. We are not proclaiming. God says, you know what? Where is your proclamation? Hmm. So there is a place for proclamation. There is a place for proclamation, okay? If you look at Jesus' situation, okay? It's Jesus' situation. If I'm right, it's in John chapter 6. Okay? John chapter, gospel according to John. Yeah, chapter 6. And verse 5 and 6. John chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. This is, yeah. Great, yeah. Uh, multitude, he said to Philip, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? But this he said to him, said to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. He already knew. 
Okay, he already knew, meaning he's already heard from the spirit, this is what you need to do. Okay, so what happens is, if you realize, he does not pray for a miracle. He just gives thanks. He just gives the thanks. Okay, this is, this is a fundamental thing. This is why we have to be very, very careful when we pray, we need to hear. Because when you hear, our trajectory of our prayer changes from prayer to proclamation to praise. Yeah. Trajectory changes. So when it is time to praise, if we pray, nothing will happen. Because it be, it is becoming now unbelief. Unbelief. It is becoming unbelief. When the Bible says it is by faith, the walls of Jericho came down. God gave them a promise. They obeyed it. They did not pray. They just praised. I believe they have shouted whatever it was in Hebrew. Hallelujah. They shouted and the whole thing came down. Because it's already answered. It is done. It is done. Okay? So that is where in prayer we have to be very, very, we have to be very, very sensitive to the Holy Spirit. When it is time to praise, if we pray, we did not hear. Mm. And if we praise when we should pray, we did not hear. Mm. We did not hear. Okay? That's what the Bible is talking about. So it is not like one, two, three. It is not that. Uh, go back. There's a very important yeah. line in that question. Yeah. In yeah. that question. Okay, it says, so if then we'll be based on works of prayer limiting God. No, we are not limiting God. It's not limiting God. We can limit God through our unbelief. The Bible says they shortened his hand through, that's I think Psalm 71, 40 or 41, okay? Shortened through our unbelief. But we are not limiting God, okay? Because God himself says, go to James chapter 4, uh, 5, right? 5 and words, uh, 15 end, or 16, 16, 16, okay? Confess your trespasses to one another, uh, pray for one another that you may be healed, okay? Meaning, sometimes, now let me tell you again, sometimes prayers are not answers until we confess. It's a block. Yep. The Bible is very clear, he says, because your sins, your iniquities have hidden God's face from you. And until that is dealt with, the prayer is not answered. Prayer is not answered. It is not answered. Okay, let me ask you this hypothetical question. The prodigal son is out there. Okay? And he's having a blast. He's in the pig pen. I believe the father knows. Because <coughs> the elder son knows. The reports are coming back through travelers. So let's imagine if it's a real story, a real story, it's a parable. The father knows. Okay? And uh, the father doesn't intervene at all. Intervene at all. Father doesn't intervene at all. He could have intervened at any stage. He does not intervene at all. You know why? Because his iniquities have separated him from his father's will. But the minute he comes to his senses and starts making his journey back to God, the mercy and the grace of God is meeting him. The father had never changed. He was always the same, merciful and grace. But the son has to change. God has, God never changes. He's always the same, full of mercy, bounding in mercy, full of grace. But we need to change. Mm. We need to change. Yeah. Okay? So in two cases we know, in Mark chapter 2, we know the man who was brought, the paralytic who was brought by his foe. We knew his paralysis was because of sin. Yes. Cause of sin. Because Jesus tells your son, your sins are forgiven. We know the man who was paralytic for 18 years. 
18 years, uh, sorry, 38 years, also was sin. Because Jesus says, pick up your mat and walk and met him and said, do not sin or something worse will happen to you. So we do. But in the case of the woman with 12 years of blood, he didn't say anything. Yes. The woman with case of 18 years of bend down, he says, it is, this is your bondage, deliverance. And he says, be set free. So cases are not the same. Cases are not the same. Okay. Sometimes it is lack of faith. If you go to verse 15, lack of faith. Verse 15 says, the prayer of faith. If there is a prayer of faith, there is a prayer of unbelief also. Prayer of unbelief. There's a prayer of faith and prayer prayer of unbelief also. (laughs) The, the, The funniest prayer of faith and unbelief mixed together is when Peter is released from the prison. <laughs> Peter is in prison and the why Bible says the church was making fervent oh, prayers yes. for Peter. Angelic intervention. He's taken out. He left on the street. He goes exactly to the house where prayer is going on. <laughs> he comes and knocks on the door. This girl called Rhoda, right? Rhoda. If I've run, Rhoda comes and she doesn't open the gate. She goes to the car and says, Peter is standing over. They, she did not believe in the prayer that was happening over there. And Peter has been released. So there is this prayer of faith. Mm. That is that. That is the most important ingredient in everything. If there is no faith, okay, there is no faith, then prayer may not. Sometimes intercession takes a long time where for faith has to be built up. Built up. Built up. That's one of the reasons. We pray three times a week. We, I mean, evenings, the different thing. But as we pray, as we meditate upon what prayer is, those who are regularly joining, you know what? Their prayer levels are going up. Faith levels are going up. Faith levels are going up. They understand, oh, this is how it happened. This is what intercession is. This is why you need to take the time. This is why things are delayed. You know, faith level is going up. And faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. Your prayer changes. Okay, prayer changes. Now, if you go to verse 16, prayer changes. Okay, faith comes in. And see, another aspect of faith, another aspect of faith is what Romans one seventeen says. There is a righteousness that is of God that comes by faith and faith alone. So you are imputed the righteousness of God and you grow in the righteousness of God. So the faith has multiple ways it works. Your righteousness also grows. It's not your righteousness. It's God's righteousness in you. Mm-hmm. You are growing in your righteousness. What happens? The fervent prayer of a righteous man avails, avails much. Mm-hmm. Now there are, if you look at the number, there is 7,001 righteous men in Israel. Mm. 100 in a cave, they are prophets. Another 6,900 hidden, which nobody knows. And then there is Elijah. But it is Elijah's prayer that changes everything, though they are all righteous because nobody bowed to Baal. Yes. Mm. <clears throat> but Elijah's righteousness is a different level completely altogether because God worked in him and allowed him to grow in his faith, both at Kerit and at Zarephath. Okay, so he's growing in his righteousness and it has an effect in his prayer life. So faith, righteousness, prayer, they're all interconnected. Interconnected. And that's what the Bible says, the effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. It is fervent prayer. Okay. We only see these words, then only we will understand how many weeks and months and years did he pray to be first presented before Ahab. 
Purely suddenly see Elijah Tishbite stood before Ahab. But how many years did he pray before that? We do not know. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. he was ready to actually stand before the king and speak the word of God without diluting it. You know, when will we be, we actually be ready to do the tasks of God? Okay, he was ready spoken. After that, God is again preparing for another three and a half, half years. What? Now not to stand before the king, but the king, Israel, and the prophets of Baal. Three and a half years preparation to prepare his man. Like Moses, it took God 40 years to prepare that man to stand before Egypt. Okay? And you, through it all, you will see that the man is changing. The vessel is changing. And sometimes we do not understand through our whole intercession Okay, let's go back to that question. That's an interesting thing. Okay, it's a work. Okay, mm-hmm. okay. <clears throat> so okay, as uh, we'll want the first part. Okay, first part. Okay, if God didn't answer the way He interpreted differently or not up to the mark, then how do we interpret it as believers? Sometimes you know what I'm telling you is honestly, truly. Sometimes God doesn't answer our prayer at all. Instead, His answer is something which we don't understand. We didn't get anything. We answered by years of intercession, but in the process, we changed. We changed. We became a different person. God says, Lord, you didn't answer. I said, I said, I answered. (laughs) My intent, my will was done. You are not the same person. You are not the same person. This was the whole intention. The whole intention behind through it all, your constant interactions with me, your tears, your burdens, everything, you know what. You have changed as a person. And that was all. But Lord, the other person didn't change. I knew that. I knew the other person was not going to change. But I looked at whom I could change. You are the one who could change. So what did I do? I put that person over there. You look through the entire Bible. Does Job's wife change? No. Job changes. Job changes. <laughs> Job changes. Okay. Now, if you look into David's life, did uh, Saul change? No. Did Job change? No. Did Shemai change? No. no. But these are the people who who made David into David. Yeah. These were the people who made David. These three people did not change. And all his struggles were with these three people. They did not change. And God did not take them off. They were the thorns in his flesh. But you know what? David changed because of these three people. And God became he became the man after God's own heart because of King Saul, Shemai, and Job. These three people. He became God. God. So sometimes we don't understand even God, how God uh, answers our prayers. God answers our prayers. So never stop praying. Never stop. One day we will realize that no prayers were, uh, were in waste. No prayers were in waste. No, especially fervent, heartbroken prayers are never not emotional. Where your prayer has to deal with truth. You don't deal with truth. Prayers are not going to get answered. You have to deal with truth. That is why they always go together. The word and prayer goes together. A lot of people don't go to the word at all. They pray and they never hear anything because they are not allowing the word to deal with issues in their life. And then you will realize, okay, thank you, Lord. I mean, I look back into my life and I thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, you didn't answer that way. Thank you, Lord, you didn't answer that way. Thank you, Lord, you didn't answer that way. Lord, if you had answered me that way, where I would be now? You know, unless you are like Asaf, 
Rama talk about, yeah. no? When all the evil men are prospering, there is nothing happening. You also must have prayed, Lord, prosper me too, Lord. Why should I have all these troubles? Until I went to the house of the Lord, I understood the end. He said, Lord, thank you for not answering my prayers. Mm. Thank you for answering. I mean, honestly, let us tell. Let us be honest. I don't know about you. How many of us believed and bought a lottery ticket? I did. Prayed and took a lottery ticket, hoping, Lord, breakthrough, Lord, 10 lakhs or Lord. Nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Those young days. Okay, Think about it. At that immature Christian that I was, those days, 10 lakhs is a huge amount. Imagine I won 10 lakhs. Can you imagine what my life would have been? Thank God he doesn't answer most of our prayers. Most of our prayers. Okay. See, I can even now in Malayalam remember the advertisement, the car fellow would be going speaking. I can remember because this is what we did. We bought a lottery ticket. Did we go to church? Yes. Did we buy lottery tickets? Yes. Easy. Trying to make easy for God. Okay, Lord. <laughs> but so many of our prayers, God did not answer. And let me answer, tell me one, one thing, let me ask you because a lot of people are asking this question are married people. Married people have an, an two prayer, they continue. Lord, change my spouse, change my child. Serious issues. Okay. And God has an answer for a long, long time. Because often the person who has to change is you. Oh boy. It's you. You have to change. And another thing, if God were to immediately answer, your prayer life would cease. Why is that? Let me, let me go back to Luke 18. And we quickly go to verse 2, 3. Located. Okay. He would not for a while. Afterward, he said with to within himself, right? Yeah, there was a lady at the city. Yeah, come to verse two, three, uh, three, four. Yeah, he would not. But afterward, he said within himself, though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me. Let me ask you this question. Did she trouble him? What did she learn through troubling him? She learned patience, she learned perseverance. Do you know these are fundamental virtues in the kingdom of God? If God answers every time, first time you ask, what are we going to learn? What are we going to learn? Are we going to be patient? Are we going to be patient? Are we going to learn perseverance? Are we going to learn endurance? Mm-hmm. These are the three primary things which we need to overcome in the last days. He who endures till the end shall be saved from all that is coming. And you think if God answers every time, Lord, I want this. I want this. It's going to happen. It's not going to happen. So there are so many things connected with that in family. Sometimes we realize we need to pray more than receive an answer because we need to change. We need to change. And sometimes it's also because, let me ask you, if you look at any man of God in the Bible whom God used mightily, they had so many problems in their family and God allowed it to happen so that he could use them at that level. And if they did not have those problems and did not get them on their face before God, he could not have used them that way. Hmm. So his ways we don't understand. 
His ways we do not understand. Because some of the problems we go through in life is what it keeps us humble and on our face before God. And in the process, God is able to channel through us. So we don't understand a whole lot of things where like we keep on saying, your misery becomes your ministry. Okay? And you have a message. You have a message. And these are things which, so we don't run away. We don't run away from all this thing. And Paul is basically saying that, you know, if you go to Romans 8, where he's talking, he's encouraging everybody. If you go to verse 31 onwards, see, encourage. It's a very powerful, encouraging verse to hear from him. Okay. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Okay, who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It's Christ who died. Furthermore, also reason, who is even at the right hand of God who makes interest. It's all very encouraging. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword. Till then, right? Then that reality changes. Before it comes back to that, he says, as it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for slaughter. Who is, who is we there? It is he. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know what he's saying? I had to go through this before I could give you this message. You're receiving the message free. But I had to learn it. That all these things did not separate me from the love of Christ Jesus. So in Corinthians, he'll say, if I'll boast, I will boast about it. You know, he had to go through all this before he could tell us experientially. This is true both by the word of God and my experience. I have gone through it all. And you know what? I am not separated from the love of Christ. So I can stand there and witness to you. Don't worry. It is the word of God and it is my experience. You cannot be separated from the love of God. You can face anything. God will come through you. You know why? Because he went through it all. Okay. And if he had not gone through that all, he would not also had such a powerful prayer life. When do people pray? When they have trouble. Mm. Any average job, they pray. They pray fervently when they have trouble. Right? So trouble in itself is not a bad thing. It makes you the person which God wants you to be. So there are so many facets about why God does not answer the way we want or why some prayers are not answered. Okay, the Bible says also in James chapter 4, you ask but you do not receive. Right? It's 4-1, right? Yeah, James 4-1. Yes, yes. Yeah, 4-1. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do not they come from your desires for pleasure that war in your members? You lust and you do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war. Yet you do not have because you do not ask. That is the first one. What verse 3? You ask and you do not receive. You pray, but you don't get an answer. Why? Because you ask amiss, you ask wrong. That you may spend it on your pleasures. Pleasures. Okay? I'm telling you practically, I have seen this. The prayer may look very good. But God sees the heart. I know about women who had alcoholic husbands who prayed and cried and came to church, attended every meeting until the husband got saved. Then they disappeared. They disappeared. They're good. (laughs) Or women whom I know who married non-believers and every Bible study, every request, everything was my husband should get saved, 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 saved. One day husband got saved. 
And after the husband got saved, now you're pulling the husband back. Don't get on fire for God. Please, please, please. You were never in fire for God. This man comes on and he comes on fire for God. And you know what happened? You pull the man back now because you don't want the man to be fully. So God sees all those things. So many of us, like, you know, we pray for our children. Okay, <laughs> We pray for our children. All parents pray for their children, for their success and their prosperity. Really? How many parents in the church will give their children for God? We dedicate them <laughs> and take them back. <laughs> right back, we take them back. How many parents in our own church here, if he were to say, I want your child. Your child is going to go through a rough time because I'm going to use him or her and it is set apart for me and I want you. Will you? How many will give them over? So we ask but we ask amiss that you may spend it on your own pleasure. What is our own pleasure? We have our dream for our child, you know, Ethan, Cambridge, Harvard, MIT. Now we have our own. So it's our pleasure, our pride, our joy, not God. Not God. Okay. God gave Abraham a son and told him, now you spend it on my pleasure. What should I do? Take your son, your only son. And offer him as a sacrifice on the mountain, I will tell you. It was Abraham's son for God's pleasure. We ask for our pleasure. Mm-hmm. And he says, you ask amiss. You ask amiss. Now, these are tough things. Initially, this is not the way it goes. But as you grow further in the Lord, you will realize, you know, answer of prayers is not going to be, it's not going to be as easy as we think. Because sometimes... <laughs> You see, I, I tell people, you see all these pandemics and wars and famines and all happening. Are you upset? Yeah. But did you pray the Lord's Prayer? Yes. What did you pray? Very Our Father who art heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Did you pray that? Yeah. Did the Bible say before the kingdom comes, what all has to happen? You prayed it into being. Why are you upset? It's because of your prayers. Yeah. Especially mainline, <laughs> especially mainline church. There's no mainline church which does not end the service without the Lord's Prayer. We don't do that regularly. They do it regularly. And they get upset, we get excited. (laughs) Thy kingdom come. And Jesus said, before the kingdom comes, all these things will happen. Okay. So, do we understand how God answers prayers? So, we have to go before God and honestly ask God and Lord, search my hearts. Okay, look at that, what he says. Adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know friendship with the world is enmity with God? Basically, what is God is saying? God is saying, you know what, child? You are not content with me. Godliness with contentment is a great thing. You are not content with me. You are using me. You are using me. You basically are asking stuff from me or answers from me so that you can take it and spend it on the world. Spend it on the world because you want either you want money, you want reputation, you want fame, you want acceptance, so whatever. You're not you are not happy that I accept you. We are accepted in the beloved. Let me honestly ask you, GTC Hyderabad, how many people are satisfied you are accepted in the Lord? You're always struggling to please people because you want their acceptance. How many people are happy? We are accepted in Christ by God. Nobody is happy. <laughs> Why are you depressed? No, this one said that. That one didn't look at me. Pastor didn't talk to me at all. No, I have no friends. Wait a second. Are you saved? Are you saved? Yeah, I am saved. Did you get baptized? Yes. Do you pray in the spirit? Yes. And 
Do you believe in this? God has accepted you. We we do not understand the the inf, the the influence of the world in us, the pressure of the world in us. Okay, and that's what the Bible is saying. This it is it, talking about prayer, and then let me because prayer is an important thing. Let's go to prayer again. One John. According to the will of God. Yeah. Chapter three. And verse 21 and 22. Actually, the next verse, next question is actually depending upon. Okay. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing. Many people, their hearts don't condemn them because their hearts are empty. (laughs) Honestly, there's no word there. There's no word there. I mean, how can you be convicted without the word being there? Mm. They don't know their scripture. They don't listen to any messages. They come dutifully to church and sleep. Mm. They don't know this thing. And like Pastor Vijay was saying, many of them, which is true, they just interpret a message, uh, the, the word with their emotions. It has never gone down. I use this old illustration when I used to teach the rural crowds. I said, I mean, even to rule out this thing out. I said, have you seen a bathtub? They said, yes. I said, when people get into a bathtub, they, what do they do? They put water, they put the form, the soap, the shampoo, whatever it is, and they get in. Now, if you look in, when they were getting in, there were three things. There was the tub, there was the water, and there was the form. And I asked you, what holds their weight? The tub. What holds their weight? The tub. Mm. Okay. So what holds your weight? Is it your emotions or the word? What is holding you? What is holding you? Everybody is getting into a tub. What is holding you? Are you floating on the form? That is the problem. A lot of people, a lot of Christians are floating on their emotions. And therefore what happens? Everything they hear, they hear with their emotions. Let me ask you, everybody who's been in a bathtub, how long does the form last? How long does the word last when you have heard it? You know why? Because you are floating on the form. It didn't go down. It did not have the weight to support you. Because the word of God did not go deep in. That's what the Bible says. The word of God is a living. It's a double. It goes to the division of the soul and the spirit. If the word of God has to have lasting effect in my life, it has to go beyond my feelings, beyond my soul. It has to hit my spirit. Once it hits the spirit, it's a foundation of concrete being laid. Then when the troubles come, the storm comes, everything comes, you know what? You may be shaken, but you will come back again because the foundation stands. And that is how it has to go through. And the issue here is that, that is why the prayer is so important and God does not answer the prayers easily because he's trying to create a deep foundation in our lives. Mm. And once the foundation is deep, you know what? That's why God took Moses in the Old Testament. His was the greatest job in the most Old Testament. That's why God took 40 years for him and 30 years for his own son. What does it, what does it mean until his obedience was perfect? I mean, it's mind-boggling to read Genesis, um, Hebrews chapter 4, 7 onwards. And he learned Obedience from the things that were suffered. And when his obedience was perfect, he became the source of salvation for all of us who obey him. Even his son had to learn because he came in the flesh. 
until his obedience. So when the father knew he was ready, the father said, now get out. 30 years. Why? His obedience was greater than the obedience of Moses. Why? Because he cannot turn away from the cross. Still at the last hour, he's struggling. He says, Father, if possible, take this cup away. So father knew when he was ready. When was the son of God ready? At the age of 30. Age of 30. He was ready. Did the father answer his prayers? One prayer he didn't answer. But everything else he answered. Why? Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. Whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. Isn't that exactly what Jesus said? My father always hears me because I always do what he wants me to do. So there's not a single prayer except one. God did not answer it. And one prayer he answered, God refused to answer him because that's what God wanted him to do. God says, no. And he said, it's okay. It's fine. Three times. Okay. So we need to understand. We are on this journey. And like I said, Romans 8, 28, everybody likes. But 29 people forget. This is God's plan. Everybody here saved. We will be conformed to the image of Christ Jesus. Now let me tell you, that image is not an easy image. It is not an easy image. Okay. I know in those old days, you know, it was, it was, I still remember when we used to come for vacation from Bhutan, you know, and my father being the principal, the day before everything will be locked, all the school, everything will be locked still. You know? No robbers, no thieves and all, but in case, you know what he does? And the main doors he locks and then he will take this um, cotton, this thing, and you have you the government sends you wax, okay? He melts that red wax again, and then he puts the seal in, okay? And if you look into that seal, the seal says Department of Education, Government of Bhutan. Now you break the seal, you break the government comes after you, okay? When God says He will conform to this image, you know what? He is going to put. You see, the wax has to be melted. <laughs> For the seal to get the image. So God says, I'll put you through the fire. What is the purpose of the fire? So his image can come out. Image can come out. Okay, That's what he says. You'll go to the waters. You'll go to, you won't get burnt. But when you come out, he says, you look like me. You look like me. And these are the things which we need to understand. What is God's purpose? What is his ultimate purpose? His ultimate purpose will God will have children who look like him. Who look like him, like father, like son. and heaven will be full. There will be no imperfect children. Mm-hmm. Even if you enter in as a child, mm. you are seventy years old. You enter in as a two-year-old spiritual child. You will be a perfect two-year-old child. Mm. There will be no blemish. You will not be a perfect seventy-year-old child. You will be a two-year-old child. There will be no imperfect people in heaven. The imperfect will be made perfect, meaning whatever stage you achieved on earth. That will move into perfection there. Okay. Move into perfection there. So there will be nobody imperfect there. You know, like we were talking about this morning when we were talking about Emmanuel and Abigail, no? Pastor Vijay will not expect Emmanuel to be like Abigail. How old is Emmanuel? Eight. Eight. Abigail is? Ten. Because he wants her to be perfect as an eight-year-old child. And Abigail 
perfect. It's a 10-year-old child. You don't expect a 5-year-old uh, child to have the perfection of a 15-year-old. No. At each stage, that is what we're talking about. At each stage, Jesus was perfect. At 5, he was perfect. At 12, he was perfect. At 15, he was perfect. At 20, but still not ready for ministry. The call of God upon his life. At 30, he had reached the Father's mark for the task. God says, now go get baptized. You are ready for mm -hmm. the task. So in the same way with Moses. At 80, Moses was ready. God knew. Moses did not know. But not God knew he was ready. You are ready. Now go. Okay? So we need to understand why prayers don't get answered, how it, why it takes delay, and some prayers are never answered. It's all got to do with God's plan. The other thing is that Psalm 106 and verse 50. And God, God also you know, can get mad. Like about <laughs> Saul, it is said he gave the king in their anger. He gave them their request. And sent leanness into their soul. If they had really known the ways of God, they would not have asked for these things. If they really, really knew, if I keep on pestering God, a lot of people, Christian, if I keep on pestering God, and God finally says, okay, take it. You want to marry this man? Take it. Marry this woman? Take, go, get married. 20 years from now, you know, you are lean in your soul. Lean in your soul. If only you knew. Okay. If only they knew that they all those prayer requests God is going to answer because they pestered him. So take it. That it would end up in the wandering in the wilderness for 38 years and never entering into the promised life God had promised. They would have never asked. So we need to look at these are all lessons in the Bible about Saul. People said, people said, no, we want, no, we want. God said, don't worry, Samuel, don't get upset. They didn't they reject, reject you. you. They, rejected me, yes. they didn't reject you. They rejected me. Mm. What is that verse? He gave them a king in their anger. Hosea chapter 13, mm. I think. Hosea? Yeah. Hosea chapter 13. Mm. Gave them a king. Yeah. Then, uh, I gave you a king in my anger and took him away in my wrath. You know, parents do that. We, of course, are not like God, but we'll also say, get lost. Take it and go. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. Parents do. Those tantrum, tantrum. What is a child trying to throw him for? No, he wants this. Just, can you just give it and shut him up? Bah. Shucks, man. God That's what God does. Where did we learn it from God? <laughs> can you give them a king and shut them up, Samuel? Just shut them up. Give them a king. I gave you a king in my anger. And okay. took him away in my wrath. Let me ask you, who is that king? Saul. What is Saul represents? Your flesh. flesh. Yes. You adulterers and adulteresses. They gave him. We want your, to be like other nations. How do, how do you apply? Yeah. We become carnal Christians. Our flesh becomes king. Mm -hmm. Who empowered it? God did. Who gave the money for the prodigal son to go have a blast? Father, Father did. Yes. You want it? I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. Okay. Remember the end of the story. What does the father tell the elder son? All that I have is yours. What did the younger son have? Nothing. Nothing. When he dies, how does the father dies? How does he have to live? The mercy of the elder son. Galatians four one. Yeah. Same things. How do you end up in heaven? Mercy yeah. of the angels. <laughs> mercy. Though you are an heir, Hello. you own nothing. 
Are you a child of the king? Yes. Do you own anything? No. Why? I blew it up on earth. I wasted it all on earth. I escaped just through the flames. I sent nothing up. Store your riches in heaven. Did you store anything? Nothing. Did you send anything across? Nothing. Are you a child? Yes. How do you live? Mercy. I mean, it's a better life than hell anyway. <laughs> but no. But you're blowing up your eternity. You're blowing up your eternity. It's the same thing practically. You know, These are things which I heard before I was a believer from my father. Like being an educator as a principal. These are things he used to tell us. One thing I remember him telling us, because they were 3,000 miles away. They came once a year. This is my father. What's my father used to tell us? I will never come to an institution and bend my head before a head or a principal saying, can you please give admission to my children based on anything? I will give you the best education I can afford. After that, it's up to you. It's up to you. I will not do that one thing. So, you have to study hard. Mm. If you study hard, no, you can lose everything. But you cannot lose your education. Yes. You can lose your wealth. You lose your health. All that, but you can lose your education. You study hard, you will make it. That is what I will give it to you. Okay? A lot of people regret later in life because though that's why we get tough on our kids. They're tough on our kids, you know, saying um, all of our Jesus kids, we are tough with them, you know. You can't be lazy at this age. Because if you are lazy, the price you will pay is later. You will pay a price later. This is the time you need to study hard. Study hard. Because the dividends will come later. Dividends will come later. So it's the same way. There are a lot of things in the spiritual, these are what we call spiritual disciplines. Okay? At the end of your prayer life, you may say, the thing I prayed most and the longest number of years never got answered. But you look back and say, but I'm a much more patient person. Mm. Patient person. Much more patient, much more kinder person. Much more, I have much more endurance now today. And I didn't realize these are the things which I needed to overcome. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Master, there's one question which mm. you actually almost answered, mm. but we'll read it uh, so yeah. To see if you can see it from Mars. Question number three. Three, three. Question three. Okay. Three. Uh, almost answered. So this yeah. some parts of it are still not there. Question number three says, mm. prayers or petitions answered, answered not in the way it's requested or with a straight no. Mm. Apostle Paul's uh, situation, uh, desire of a mother who wished her boys to sit on the right hand and the left hand of God's kingdom. Mm. Peter's suggestions to put three tabernacles. Mm. Disciples of John James, uh, James and John wanting to be Mm. Wanting fire down to, be, uh, to come down from heaven, etc. Mm. However, many believers take that take that one scripture that with God nothing is impossible, and whatever whatever has been asked in His name will be uh, given, etc. And that we do not have because we do not ask, etc. Okay? okay, they don't talk about the possibility of prayers answered differently and not the way we like at times or many times. Whilst the above is true, and it's also uh, and it's also true, He is a prayer answering God. God in his sovereignty has his way of answering too, which is not different in, in the body of Christ, especially the ones who haven't gone through adversities, etc. Appreciate your thoughts on the okay. subject. When it comes to, yeah, when it comes to that where the God, word of God says nothing is impossible with God and nothing is impossible to him or he believes, okay? You cannot take in isolation without looking at full scripture, okay? Now, just three scriptures I'll try to give. 
find. One, turn to John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And verse 7. 15, 7. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. The two things. We abide in him. Abide. A son stays forever. Okay? We abide in him, and his words abide in us. His words abide in us. Okay? And what, and if you look at verse 8, whatever you desire, ask, it shall be done to you. By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. You look at these two verses, there's an abiding with him, this abiding of his word deep in us, that what we ask brings glory to the Father, and we are actually his disciples. Mm -hmm. Okay, one. Then you go to Romans 8. Now we become bring the, we brought the word here, now we bring the spirit, uh, spirit here. Romans chapter 8. 26, 27. 27. Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weakness, for we do not know what we should pray, or for as we ought, meaning we don't know one, how to pray, two, we do not know how to pray. Mm -hmm. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groans which cannot be uttered. Mm -hmm. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Mm -hmm. So now we have the word of God, we have the Spirit of God who is praying through us according to the will of God. Now we go back to the earlier words we had looked at from John. 1 John. Okay, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 21 and 22. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence towards God. When does our heart not condemn us? It does not condemn us when we the word abides in us and the spirit is moving in us. Mm. The heart doesn't condemn us. Because if the spirit is there, he will convict us. Yes. The word is in there, it will convict us. Like it says, our level of conviction keeps on growing as we grow in the Lord. The things which, which, which did not bother us earlier will start bothering us now. Mm. Bothering us now. Why it didn't bother then? Because we did not know. No, exactly. We did not know. We did not know. But when we get to know about God, His holiness, His right, things starts bothering us. A lot of us are not bothered by a lot of things. It's simply because of the ignorance of God's word, His spirit. It doesn't. Whatever we ask, we receive from Him. Because we keep His commandments and do those things that are pleasing in His sight. So now, the word of God is brought here. The spirit of God is brought And the individual is brought here. One, my heart should not condemn me. Second, we keep His commandments. Three, we do the things that please him. You put these three things together, I'm telling you, God answers prayers. God answers prayers. Actually, your prayers also will change. Yeah. Your prayer also changes. Change. Yeah. Your yeah. prayer changes. The more you get to know, like yeah. I said, the more I get to know God, I'm so happy. Yeah. I, I, I didn't... You know, when you are young, you know, young believer, you keep falling in love with people and all. I thank God I didn't marry any one of them. <laughs> thank you, Lord. <laughs> because... I have seen where all of them reached. Where all of them reached. And I look at them. Oh, thank you, Lord, I didn't marry this one. You know, the miserable women. They're such miserable women. They don't love God. They're not interested in God at all. But they were classmates and all. Okay? And at that, 
we are going to be really from the heart, full of emotions. We pray, Lord, Lord, this is the one for you. Thank you, Lord. You never answered those prayers because God had a plan and a purpose for you. Or the jobs. Or the jobs. The yeah. second thing is our job. You know, most of the jobs, I missed it by a whisker. By a whisker. But now I look back, that whisker was God's. <laughs> but if I had got that job, okay, I would have been a prof in a university. Okay, but, okay, I wouldn't know what I missed. But now, knowing what I would have missed, would I have given up this for that? No. You know? So if you look at this thing, well, we're talking about things which people really pray for. One is marriage, the other is career. Two major things. No, and we look back one day, we will thank God. God didn't answer our prayers and we didn't end up marrying. No, God said no, he or no. And God did it in different ways and God just blocked it. And I, I said no in one of my interviews. I argued with the board. <laughs> Because it's about language and literature. I'm a literature guy. Okay. And then the HOD came and said, I was pushing for you. I wanted you in over there. But the board director was upset because you argued with him. Okay. But thank God, it didn't happen. Then, of course, I felt bad, Lord. Why did this have to happen? But now I look back and I thank you. And I remember my first interview in 94 too, the principal of the college where I studied, he wanted me in. Desperately wanted me in. But the problem is that he wanted me in because I was from that college and I was one of the toppers. And then uh, I was of the same community, though he did not know I was a rogue, meaning I had saved, come out <laughs> of the church. He did not know that. He did know that because that's the only college which our my ex community has, and I'm from that community. And in that entire set of students, so people who are being interviewed, I'm the only one from that community. So he wanted me in, but he wouldn't believe in the interview. My mind went blank. I couldn't remember a thing. I, see, everything was loaded for me. Everything was loaded for me. One, I was what you call an inside candidate. Then I was a community candidate. I was the only one with ne uh, net. Okay, you know net, yes. you know, okay? Eligibility to yes. teach. Okay. And fourth, I was the only one from IFLU, which is the premier university for English in India. And I didn't get it. Now when I look back, if I had got it, <laughs> I would have been in Tivandrum. <laughs> <laughs> and do you know what? My junior is the head of the HOD now. My junior is the head of the department. When you look back and you say, you Lord, thank you, Lord. Your life would have gone in a completely different trajectory. Okay? Praise God. <laughs> but only we who have come into the kingdom of God and understood the grace of the kingdom, the goodness of God, we were thankful to God. He did not. But if you remain as the what the Bible says, you know, remember on Thursday we said there are different kinds of mind. One is a reprobate mind. Because they did not retain the knowledge of God, God gave them over to a reprobate mind. The second is a carnal mind. Mm -hmm. The carnal mind is always in enmity mm -hmm. with God. Where is his carnal mind? In the kingdom of God, not outside. Mm -hmm. We return to the book in Romans and Corinthians. You are still carnal. The carnal mind is enmity with God. Meaning the carnal mind wants God to do your thing. 
Okay? Then you have Solomon. David says, you have a loyal heart and a willing mind. Willing mind. No? These are different minds. A willing mind. Okay? And we need to have a willing mind. Okay? And Isaiah uh, chapter Maybe. 1 and verse uh, 19 says, no, if you're willing and obedient. That's the first thing we need. We need to have a willing heart. God is not going to show us everything. God is not going to. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good of the land. And sometimes this good, we don't understand. The good is eternal. Mm. It's not temporary. Who will go for me? Isaiah said, I will. What happened to Isaiah? He was sawn into two. But who is he in heaven? He's one of the greats. Yep, absolutely. <laughs> what did it cost him to say, I am willing to go? What did it cost him on earth? He was sawn into two. What will we, what will we get in eternity? He's one of those greats. Hmm. One of these greats. Okay? So that is the first thing. The first thing is that I don't understand God's complete will, plans, purposes, day to day. I don't understand. Like I keep saying over and over. But one thing I know, and I know it from the depth of my heart and from the word of God. God is good. And he's always good. He's never bad. He's good. Therefore, you know what? I am willing. I am willing because he's good. I'm willing because he's good. Because that's why we said we have to always have this right picture of God in our heart. Otherwise, we will not be willing. Sometimes we are responsible on all pastors, all preachers are responsible for not portraying the right picture of God. And that was why God was upset with Moses. Moses. He said, you did not honor me before. That's not who I am. That is not who I am. That's not who I am. You misrepresented who I am. That's not who I am. This is who I am. Okay? And when we know who God is, you know what? Our prayer will change. Our prayer will change. We are always willing. So that's what? Thy will be done. No, thy will be done. Whatever happens, I'm good with it. I'm good with it. Because you know what? I know you are good. That's why the Bible says all things work together for the good of those who love God. And the thing is that you cannot love God unless you know what He is like. You cannot love God. That's why we need to have a... That's one of the reasons, primary reasons which Jesus came by. To show what the Father is like. Father is like. You know? And one thing the prodigal son realized when he's sitting in the pig pen is he realized, you know what, my father is good. Mm. Father is good. When he walked out, maybe he was thinking, you know, this old man, no, <coughs> terrible man, will never allow me to enjoy one day. The rules are too much. You know what, I want to get out of this place. Okay. But sitting over there, he looked back and he said, you know what, my father is good. And it's not that. He's good to everybody. The hired servant is the lowest servant. That's what he says, the hired servant. It's the lowest servant. Daily wage. He says even the hired servants have a good life because my father is good. Father is good. Okay. He's not talking about his father's riches. He's talking about his father's goodness. Goodness. Because you can be rich and not be good. Mm. Be good. You can be rich and not be good. You can be rich and not be loving and sharing. This is the two fundamental differences. If you ask me this question, why did Lazarus go to hell, sorry, heaven, and why did paradise, and why did go the rich man go to heaven? Oh, sorry, rich man go to hell. Why? Because the Bible says Lazarus sat there hoping to feed from the crumbs that came from the rich man's table. And the dogs, and dogs us. if you know dogs, you will know that dogs will not lick you unless you are friendly to them. Yes. The rich man gave his crumbs to Lazarus. Lazarus shared his crumbs with the dogs. <coughs> so Lazarus was a generous man. 
the other fellow was not. Lazarus was a generous man. Though he was a poor man, hoping to feed his filly's stomach with the crumbs when the dogs came, he broke. You look around over here. Do the dogs come to you? No. Sajid comes. Every dog is after him. <laughs> Why? Because he feeds them. He feeds them. He feeds them. <clears throat> he feeds them. Yeah, it's a lesson over. That is why these details are written over there. The dogs licked his soul, meaning they were his friends. They were his friends. Why were they his friends? Because he gave the crumbs, all of them. He's, he has got nobody. He's, he has, he's, in his heart, he's a generous man. He's a poor man. Your poverty or your riches is not defining your, your generosity. generosity. Yes. Your generosity is a state of your heart. Amen. The rich man is not generous. Lazarus is generous. There is nobody he can mm. feed because nobody wants his crumbs. But he still shares it with the dogs. Mm. And God says, you know what? He's generous. He's got a good heart. Okay. And these are fundamental things which we need to understand. And in the process of our prayer life and all that, what is God making us? He's making us like him. Mm. Like, like him. He says, you know what? All these years you kept on praying, 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 praying. I didn't answer you. But you are changing. You know, have you noticed? Your prayers are changing. What is that? You have started praying for others. You are becoming generous in your prayers. Earlier you were very selfish in your prayers. Give me, give me, give me, give me. My name is Jimmy. <laughs> now you have stopped praying for yourself. Now you have started praying for others. So the simple question is, are you generous in your prayers? Mm. Are you generous in your prayers? Pray for yourself. Everybody prays. (laughs) And and, and that is how God is changing us from inside out. Making us people like him. Because he's very generous. God is very generous. Full of mercy. Full and tough too. Don't don't take that side off. Whenever morning like this, I'm talking about a week. We have to to know week. All week people are not the same week people. Mm. Okay? Some weak people, you need to be tough with them. They are weak and they are lazy and they are manipulating. But some people are not. Some people are weak. That if you push them, they will break. They will break. So you have to be. That's what, no? Jesus was very gentle with some people and he was not gentle with some people. Look at the Samaritan woman. He's very gentle. The man who has been a cripple for 38 years. He's not gentle. He's tough, yeah. Do you want to get well? <laughs> He's not gentle. And we would be the other way around. Poyo, poor Ayyaba, 38 years sitting over. I wish I could do something. What did you say? Do you want to get well? <laughs> He's still making excuses. Somebody gets, do you want to get well? Pick up your mat. I'm not going to even help you to pick your mat. Pick up your mat and walk. Go. And don't sit anymore. <laughs> don't sit there. <laughs> that is, that is, it's a weak man. Yes, he's a weak man. He's a cripple for 38 years. He didn't tell him Molly Cotton stuff with him. But the Samaritan woman was very, very gentle, very, very kind. Was very, very kind. You know, and we need to know the difference. Some people are very weak. You push them, they will just crumble and go. They won't recover from it. But some people, you need to be tough. You need to light a fire underneath them before they will do anything. You should not help them. <laughs> not help Hallelujah. Them. You help them, you help them, they will not do anything. By helping them, you are not helping them. Some people need a help, they need a shoulder, they need a push, they need to be taken for a season. So we need to know the difference. Come okay? on. And God is tough that way. God is very, very tough that way. Yes. So that's why talking about the kindness of God, 
and the severity of God. Absolutely balanced. Okay? But I will always say that we being not God, we should be more kind. We should be more kind than severe. Than severe. Because we could go wrong. Yes. I will always err on the side of, of kindness severity. than on yeah. severity because I am not God. I leave the severity to God and say, Lord, I will I will give the benefit of doubt and would choose to be kind unless I know this is a charlton. <laughs> no? No, no. And I said, Lord, I'm backing off out of this. Okay, so that's how we. Yes, Pastor Vijay? We are done, Pastor. We are done for the day. We have three questions and we answered three. I mean, three questions on the order. And God is good. I want that to be imprinted in your hearts and your minds. Whatever you are going through. Wake up in the morning. First thing. Last thing is before you go to sleep. You need to say, you know what? My God. Don't say God is good. Okay, Say my God is good. My God is good. Like Paul, we need to personalize. My God, my God is good. My God is good. My daddy is good. My father is good, and he's always good. Whatever I am going through, as God doesn't change who he is, he's always good, and he will be always good. That these are fundamental truths of Job, right? You see, God tells Job's three friends he did not sin in anything that he said about me. He only sinned about what he said about himself. He did not sin in anything that he said about good. You know what? He is so gung-ho about his God. He says, you know what? Even if you slay me, I will only serve you. I'm not going to save anybody else. Because you are my master. You are a good master. And all that I have gone through is not going to change my mind about you. And he has a very exalted opinion. Very, very, very distinct opinion. You need to have that. I mean, you look at which man. I don't know any man who has gone through. I mean, which father has lost all his children in one day? It is a bear. It's a grief, unbearable grief. It's all alone. There's nobody to share. Your wife is not sharing your grief. Your friends are not sharing your grief. It's unbearable. Lose all your children, grown-up children. It's not a baby you're losing. Baby, you will recover fast. Grown-up children is very difficult. You have brought them up, see, and he loses all his children in one day, all his wealth in one day, head to toe. His disease is so much. The Bible says in chapter 3, when his friends saw him from far, they started crying looking at his state. Mm. That is how bad his disease was. And yet he says, you know what, even if you slay me, I will still serve you. You know what, I did not serve you because of the blessings. Mm. I serve you because I know you are good. That doesn't change. And we need to have that in our heart. What Whatever happens, you need to say that to yourself. One, God is good. Second, say like Job, Lord, even if you slay me, I am not going to serve anybody else. I am going to serve you. I am going to serve you. Life or death, it is with you. That's what Paul says. Die, I go to you. Live, I serve you. There's no other way. I have no other way. This is it. You know, put your hand on the plough. Never look back. Never look back. This are commitments you need to make every one of us daily because the more you say it that's what david speaking to himself okay more you say it to yourself it goes deep in and that becomes on which you're building your life and you will see people are anxious people are fearful people are worried because that is what you keep saying to yourself that's what you keep saying to yourself that's what people are worried mm. Why are they worried? Because they meditate and keep on telling those same things in their mind. Why don't they change your meditation? 
Why don't you change? Meditate upon God's word day and night. What is God's word? The revelation of God. You know what? Say it all the time. My God is good. He is loving. He is kind. Like I said, even if he is severe, I am good with it. Even if he convicts me, even if he disciplines me, if he chastises me, if he scourges me, he is good. And ultimately, even if he slays me, he is still good. He is still good. And that's how David rises up. Okay, he says, okay, I tried when he could. He's taken the son. He's not coming back. He's going, you know what? I'm going to the house of the Lord and worship him. My situation is not changing who God is. God is still good. Just because my son died, God became bad? No, he said, no. God is still good. And what is he worthy of? He's worthy of my praise and my worship. And I will worship him. No. Otherwise, it's, we are floating on emotion. Nothing happens. I'm not going coming to church because I'm so depressed. <laughs> Oof, you're not on the bathtub. You're floating on the form. No. Go deeper, go deeper, understand who God is and meditate right, meditate right, speak to yourself the virtues of God, who God is. You know what, your faith life will change, really, really, really change because the days ahead, Jesus promised, he who endures, and what are the words before that? Because the love of many shall be cold. How do you keep love alive? By speaking it. Mm. Speaking and doing. But speaking. First, love is expressed. Mm. That's why you need to keep telling all the time. I love you, Lord. I love you and you are good to me. I love you. Don't let your love go cold. Love you, God. Don't ever let... That's what happened if they're like a German machine. If it's a church in Ephesus, in the book of Revelation. Perfect. In order. But no love. Mm. God said, I wanted a wife, not a maidservant. Maidservants are fantastic cooks, have you noticed? So I have fantastic maids. Houses pick and spend, they cook all kind of dishes. But God said, I didn't look for a maidservant, I was looking for a bride. Mm. A bride may not cook as well as a maidservant. Mm. But he said, I'm good with it. I want a girl who loves me. Mm. God who loves me. Okay, God who loves me. Okay, and that's where we need to understand. You know what? God is not looking for servants. God is looking for sons. Hallelujah to that. Yet I know people who married maid servants too. <laughs> Maybe they wanted, <laughs> they wanted efficiency. <laughs> and it was not a matter Even of robots that. are singing, do you love me? Pastor? Yeah. <laughs> yes, he sent me, he sent me a robot clip of the robot dancing, do you love me? <laughs> okay. Even artificial intelligence still wants love. Okay. Yes, Pastor Vijay, we shall close with prayer. Father, we just want to thank you, Lord. We praise you, we worship you. Thank you, Father. There's always joy in your presence, O oh Lord. Even though we have heard answers which could be tough for some of us, but Lord, we know, Father, that you, in your love, O oh Lord, you chastise us so that we could be made partakers of your holiness, so that one day we could live with you all eternity, enjoy your presence, because your word says, at your right hand there are pleasures forever and joy forevermore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, Father, for all this questions that your children have uh, sent in in all these days, O oh Lord, and particularly today. I pray, Father, that the answers that have been given, Father, Lord, you will uh, make it relevant to every situation that every one of us is going through. And I pray, Father, that it will bear fruit in our lives, O oh Lord, and it will cause us to love you more and to serve you more with all of our heart. 
uh, Father, every opportunity that you've given to us, that we will, Father, utilize it and, Father, take advantage of it. And, Lord, we'll, we'll endeavor, Lord, Father, to bring glory and honor to your name. Thank you, Father, once again just for this time. And even as we, Father, rest tonight, Lord, we pray, Father, that you give, grant us a good night's rest and grant us another day so that we can be found in the house of the Lord and so that we can continuously prepare ourselves for your coming. We thank you. We praise you. We give you glory. For in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Amen.